Hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to see everybody here this morning. Man, we're going to have a time uh, today in the presence of God. As many of you guys know, we're in a time of uh, prayer and fasting corporately as a church, and I really want to encourage you to jump into that. We even have a special prayer meeting planned this Wednesday, 5 o'clock. We're going to go to Floral City Park. You're going to hear more about that. 5 o'clock, you say, Floral City, that's a long way from here. It is. Uh, but the Lord wants, uh, I believe, this church to have an influence all over this county. And so we're going to do a special in-person. Now, youth will still be going on here at 6, uh, at six o'clock, but 5 o'clock, we're going to join there, and then we're going to... We're going to, uh, every Wednesday, we're actually going to have a special time of prayer on location throughout the county at 5 o'clock. And so we want you guys uh, to join with us if you can. And don't forget, we have daily prayer every day. And also, for those who say, man, I can't make it at 9, but maybe I can come up for a lunchtime, our sanctuary will be open. And music will be playing, worship will be playing. And uh, Monday through Thursdays, our offices are open. So anytime you want to come and do that, you can, you can certainly join us in prayer. Then we ask that on Fridays and Saturdays, uh, Friday is a day that we dedicate to praying for our family, and then Saturday we're saying, hey, during this season, I want you to prayer walk your neighborhood. If you haven't yet signed up, uh, to blesseveryhome.com, uh, blesseveryhome.com. Go ahead and sign up. Uh, it, what it does is it will populate the names of your neighbors right on your phone. It'll every day give you five names to pray for. And so by, by next Saturday, you'll have a whole slew of people to pray for that live near you. And we want you to walk and pray uh, for your neighborhood, especially during this time. So uh, lots of prayer and a lot of things really going on in in that area of prayer and fasting, there are guidelines on our website. We, you say, well, oh, I haven't joined in. I didn't know about it. You can jump in. Uh, just jump in and do what the Lord tells you to do. Uh, but do something before the Lord. And if it's a sacrifice to you, it'll be meaningful to God. So I want you to, this morning to go to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Because I really want to stir you up. As the scripture says, I want to spur you on to love and good works, okay? Everybody just give, give me a thumbs up, all right? Now give it to your neighbor's ribs, okay? Give it to your neighbor's ribs, all right? Uh, now, what that is, that's, that's what it feels like to be spurred on, okay? That's what it feels like. Uh, sometimes it's like an, oh, oh, okay, all right, I'm moving now. You know, you know don't, uh, this is not permission, by the way, for anybody to touch me in the ribs. Don't do that. Um, um, how many of you know, uh, it, this hour, in this hour, God is moving. God is doing some things. He is absolutely moving. People's lives are being changed. And uh, how many of you know that uh, right at the genesis of an election year, if there's ever a time for the church to begin to pray, when division is at the door of our nation, I promise you this is the time. We need to pray like never before for our nation. And, and uh, I, I want you to know that these times of prayer and fasting in the church, they are not new to our nation. Actually, from the very, very beginning of our nation, most people don't know this, from the very beginning, the foundations, when the, when the founding fathers had a problem and they were at an impasse, they would call a national day of fasting. And then, after doing this day of fasting... 
Six months later, this happened, I think, something like 28 different times. They would call a day of celebration because in six months' time, they would see an answer come. And this happened again and again. It wasn't just one day and like a national day of prayer. It was, it was the atmosphere. And by the way, I hate to ruin all of the people in here that learned that, that America was founded as a secular uh, nation. It was not. It was a Christian nation. Matter of fact, you need to know this. Did you know our government printed Bibles? The de- guess what department? Education. Education. And so everybody understood we needed the word of God. We needed the instruction of God. What they knew that, that prayer and fasting would be the very thing integral for this nation to succeed. They knew shaking would come. And, and, and the, where did they get those ideas from? They preceded our founding. There was a great thinker. His name is John Locke. And John Locke... He was the one that was kind of the influence on the founders. And, and, and when he, he noticed that the world was filled with injustice. How I many of you know that the world still has injustice? Lots of it. Now, he noticed something. That there was power in prayer. And that we needed to integra- integrate Prayer and fasting in a real way. So much so, it marks our history. John Locke said it this way, and this was adopted by many of the founders and influenced our very Declaration of Independence. He said this, where the body of people or any single man is deprived of their right or is under the exercise of a power without right and have no appeal on earth. That means you can't get answers from man. Then they have a liberty to appeal to heaven when they judge the cause of sufficient moment. This was so influential. This thought was so influential. This became known as the pine tree flag. And the pine tree flag would fly over the the fledgling navy of Massachusetts with George Washington at its helm. They weren't flying the other flags. They were flying this flag with an evergreen tree that said what? Appeal to heaven. Why? Because they knew that when no answers were possible on earth, that if they would call on God, there was a God who would intervene in the affairs of man. And church, I want to stir you up again to the place of prayer. It's time for the church to begin to call on heaven. Our nation is shaking. Our world is shaking. And there doesn't seem to be a man that is going to come and foist these rights upon us or even protect them. So I say, church of the living God, take your place and begin to appeal to heaven. Begin to cry out to heaven and watch a benevolent God come and intervene. I want to speak to you today a message, really, it's a provoking message called prevailing in prayer or prayers that prevail rather. And this comes from Luke chapter 18, and I want us to read it together. 
This is a, a parable where, where Jesus was, was sharing about the mystery of what prayer really is and how it works. Luke chapter 18 is a great story, and we're going we're gonna to unpack this uh, together and just lean into some of these revelations that will, will help us, especially in this season of prayer and fasting that we're in. It says this, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. By the way, this is one of the few times that the explanation of the parable is given in advance. Do you know why God did that? It is so you could clearly understand it right up front. So that's what this is about. Verse 2, saying... There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now, there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, uh, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming she weary me. Other versions say, attack me. More modern versions. I love it. Then the Lord said, this is what Jesus said. Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? This is probably one of the greatest teachings on prevailing prayer. On prevailing prayer. And I want to I give you... A few of these revelations, some of them may be obvious and others may not be. And the first one that we can gain from this as God is teaching us to always pray is this. The court of heaven is always available. The court of heaven, I'm going to say it again, is always available. Verse 3 said, there was a widow in that city. What? Notice what it says. And she came to him saying... She didn't have to fill out any forms. She didn't have to wait at the DMV. There was no process. The door was open. The door was open. God is available to hear the cry of every son and daughter, whether night or day. But notice the description of what Jesus uses here. A widow. A widow. Now, in retrospect, I don't know if I'd have picked a widow. But Jesus picked a widow because we needed to understand. You know, I, I think we you know, I think in our normal understanding of the way prayer works, we would say, um, you know, and then there was a pastor in the city that needed something. And boy, the pastor got his prayers answered. Oh, man, there was a saint. And well, is she perfect in every way? And she got her answers with the judge. No, it says a widow. What does that mean? 
she's easily overlooked. She's got nothing to offer in return. No social status. No economic benefit to the judge at all. And I, here's what I believe. I believe there are many people under the sound of my voice, you have widow thinking that is actually preventing you from going into prayer. You think, I don't have anything to offer God. By the way, look around the room. Nobody does. I don't know if you know this about God, but God has, he has no need of anything you can give him. He doesn't need a thing from you. You think you like to think he does. But he doesn't need a thing from you. And I, I love this because it says the person who has a broken concept of who they are before God still has an audience with him. The court of heaven is available to you. Yeah, but pastor, you don't know what I did last week. I know, I understand. We all have those struggles and those sins and those things which, which God is working out in all of us. But I am here to tell you, this widow had nothing to give to the judge. And yet this widow found an audience with the judge. Let me, let me just say it to you this way. God will always hear your case. He will always hear your case. I know some of you are like, man, I pray and I feel like the, the heavens are brass. That is more a feeling than it is a fact. That is your feeling. I know you think you're going to feel your way into heaven, but you don't. You faith your way into heaven. You don't feel your way into heaven. You, you don't feel your way into the family of God. You place faith in what God has done for you. You place faith in who he is and what he has declared in his word. And this widow walked right in the door. And Hebrews 4 goes on and reiterates it. And I'm praying that this provokes you back to the place of prayer like never before. Notice what it says. It says, let us therefore come. Uh-oh. All those religious piousness, you thought, man, I've got to get a brown robe. Oh, it's the only way I can come to God. It's a monastic approach. No, you think of yourself, oh, I'm a widow. You know, widow thinking, listen, widow thinking is a lot in this. It's, I, I would describe it this way. It's kind of like pig thinking. So God gives us warning about how to eat, not to eat pig, right? Now, by the way, on a fast, I shouldn't be bringing this up, but I love bacon. But so I'm not telling anybody not to eat pork. But there's a reason why. It's because pigs do not sweat. They do not get any of those nasty things on the inside coming out through their pores. So pigs, what do pigs do? They go and find some mud. And they wallow in it.
and you just like, God says, come to prayer. And you're like, are you kidding me? I'm terrible at this. I just can't. And you think badly about yourself, and you're, you're, you're worried about your performance, and you're thinking, oh, I'm totally disqualified. And by the way, just so you know, then you come to church. And you're supposed to be clothed in humility. You're not. You're wearing mud. And then there's a law of attraction out there. So guess what? Muddy pigs find other muddy pigs. And they both just wallow in their problems. They just wallow. I just need, I need someone else to get this mud off of me, to come and cleanse me. I need a person. By the way, that's why depressed people always find other depressed people. That's why broken people always are attracted to broken people. And then, then you find someone that is whole and like, man, they find some other people like them. And they're like, man, we want to run. And then God tells us, no, 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 you need to slow down. You need to reach out to the broken. You need to love them. And pick them up out of the wallow and show them. The greatest place of cleansing doesn't come at the feet of man. It comes at the open door at the feet of God. See, see this verse in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, let us come boldly before the throne of what? Grace. It's not a throne of, of judgment. It's not the throne of, wow, you really didn't mess up. It's the throne of God's undeserved favor. And he says, there, listen, it is there you find timely help. Church, the church that prays is the church they, that knows, I need help. I need help. And there's an open door in heaven. Made by Jesus himself that says, I'm available if you'll just come. Now, second revelation that I want to give you from this is this, this revelation on persistent prayer, prevailing prayer, is that our judge is good. Boy, those two don't normally go together, do they? You would have been much easier for me to just say, God is good. Y'all would have been like, yeah. But when I say our judge, you're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. God made this, 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 this uh, you know, comparison here. And I want you to get this because in the middle of this uh, parable, God shows us the key to prevailing prayer is to understand how good he is. Notice what it says. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Then you go down just a few verses. Verse 5. Yet because the widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest she, by her continual coming, she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? 
though he bears long with them. The parable here contrasts the difference between an unjust, uncaring, self-centered judge and a totally just, loving, and selfless God. The point of this contrast is to get us to focus on the goodness and character of the one we are invited to come before in prayer. When you come before God in prayer, you need to remember first thing. The one I am coming before is good. He cares about me. He is just. He's not against me. He is for me because of what his son has done in me. And when you begin to get a revelation of the goodness of the one that you are coming before, you begin to persist in prayer. Oh, listen, you got to persist in prayer, and you will prevail in prayer. A couple of years ago, on my 50th birthday, I went out to the, um, uh, the Grand Canyon, and out there, they'll all tell you, the Grand Canyon is here because water eroded this away. Now, it's my personal opinion that God just got creative. And he created the Grand Canyon with the distinct look of history, teaching us that even water over time has an impact. And, and some of you may be thinking, man, I, I feel so much more like this widow. I, I just don't know. Is my persistence going to make a difference? It only makes a difference when you have an audience with a good God. It makes a difference when you have an audience with a good God. Listen to this. This is all throughout Scripture. Psalm 20, verse 6, it says, Now I know the Lord saves his anointed. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him you're anointed. I love this. This isn't just talking about going to heaven, by the way. We use that terminology in the New Testament. Saved means on your way to heaven, you're in the family of God. It has that, but that is not what this means. It means, I know the Lord rescues his anointed. I know the Lord delivers his anointed. I know that he breaks in and he triumphs in and through their life in the anointed. And listen, if you are saved and the Spirit of God moved into you, the Holy Spirit is the oil of anointing on your life. I tell you, if you've ever, if people ever look at you and say, what's different about you? Don't tell them your cologne. Mm -mm. It's the oil. It's the oil. It's not the stuff that oozes out of your skin. It's the oil of his presence. And the Lord says, I save my anointed. I rescue my anointed. Some of you feel trapped here today. You feel like, man, the enemy has, has, has painted you into a corner. You don't know how you're going to get out. I've got good news. I, before I even get to half of the other verses, if you would just begin to understand, God has an open door. And that good God wants you to cry out for him. You will see God come and rescue come and deliver, come and heal, and come and move. Yes. Glory to God. And notice what it goes on to say. I didn't even get through the whole verse. Got so excited in just the first part. <laughs> he will answer him. Stop saying God doesn't answer your prayer. Yes, he does. He will answer him. From his holy heaven, with saving strength from his right hand. 
Notice Psalm 91, 15. He shall call upon me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Why? Because we have a good God. We have a good judge who is sitting on the throne hearing our case. Listen, the accuser hailing arrows of accusation against us and yet the good judge saying, oh, I'm going to step in. Do you know who your lawyer is? Oh, we have an advocate in heaven. That word advocate, it means lawyer. His name is Jesus. And when the accuser comes with his arrows, the good judge says, oh, I'm going to let your lawyer take care of this one. I'm going to let your lawyer take care. And then the lawyer says, no, no, no. Come on. Uh, I paid for all their debts. I paid for all their sins. They no longer have to be bound. They no longer have to be chained. They do not have to live that way. Not another day. Why? Because I paid the price. I've set them free. And those arrows will fall to the ground. Isaiah 65 verse 24 it says it shall come to pass. Listen to this. Talk about a good judge. Read the Bible. Before they call. I mean, smack somebody and tell them God's good. Y'all wanted to smack them earlier on the way to church. I just gave you permission. Come on. It says, before they call. What in the world? I will answer. What kind of judge sees you coming? And before you can even open your mouth, he said, I got you. I've got you. I've got your answer. I've got your breakthrough. I've got your healing. I've got your answer. He said, before you ever had a thought and God answered it? Oh, I have. I have. I at one time had a thought. I said, Lord. It wasn't even really a prayer. I had a thought. I, I, won't, I won't say that. Y'all will be asking silly stuff. I'm not going to say that. Because I thought about a boat and God gave me one. Now y'all stop. See y'all fasting. Now y'all veered immediately. Y'all veered. I'm, like, Ooh, I'm believing God for quad 450s on the back. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Listen. <laughs> I know, I know a distributor right here on the second row. He'll get you. He'll take care of you. All right. It says, before they call, I will answer. And while they are speaking, I will hear. I don't know if you can hear it today, church, but oh, heaven's beckoning us back to the place of prayer. You know, this is going on all over the world. In the last 20 years, there has been the greatest prayer movement the world has ever seen. There are young people giving themselves to night and day worship and prayer and have been, I mean, for, for over 20 years, 24 hours a day, day and night. And matter of fact, Acts chapter 15, quoting Amos, says that in the last hour, God is going to rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen down. You don't know what that was. That was the unveiled worship where the glory of God 
was seen on the face of worshipers. Something like 27 years solid of nothing but worship and singing around the throne night and day. Thousands of worshipers. And God says, I'm not restoring Solomon's temple. I'm not even going back to Moses' tabernacle in all of its originality. I'm going back to the one where the people had access And I know some of you are thinking, I hear this call to prayer, but I don't know what to pray. I'm, I'm glad you said that. What if I could show you a verse that says, when you don't know what to do, pray. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call unto me. And I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you did not know. Mm. If y'all would just obey this one verse, I could meet with fewer of you. <laughs> that was very selfish. I can't even believe that didn't come out in first service. That had to be for somebody right in here. Uh, Problem is, is what do we do? What do we do? We tend to pray last instead of pray first. And God is saying, listen, I want to give you this revelation that I am good. Newsflash, God is better than your pastor. You say, wow, that was rather self-deprecating. I don't care. God is better. And if we would learn that God is good, we'd go into the place of prayer with no knowledge and wisdom of how to step next, where to go next, and God says, oh, there's a son or a daughter covered in the blood. I'm going to show them great and mighty things that they did not know. I'm going to reveal it to them. I'm going to get it. Don't think. Don't think. That the mountaintop of revelation comes just from the leadership in this place. It does not. The revelation of God comes to the people of God. There's confirmation that comes in the heart of the people concerning our purposes, concerning our future. And I, I, I want to I compel you back to the place of prayer. Every morning you need to wake up first and think, oh, he's so good. Here I come. Let me give you another revelation here on prayer. This third one is very important. Persistence in prayer is a demonstration of faith. Persistence in prayer is a demonstration of faith. Notice what Jesus said. He says, here's the reason why. He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray, not lose heart. Verse 7 at the end. He says, Shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? Listen to these words. I tell you the truth. He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? It's a question. What is he equating a demonstration of faith to in this parable? Listen, persistent prayer. 
That's clear from this passage. That persistent prayer is a demonstration of faith. Now, I don't want to offend all who live, you know, on Christian television, but I do want to warn you that when you hear from some of your favorite, you know, Christian orators out there that they just pray about something once and don't pray about it again, they have lost the spirit of Luke 18. Anybody who says, yeah, I just pray about it once and then I just let it go. No. You th- that, that is faith. No. Persistently praying until you get a breakthrough is a demonstration of faith. And listen, Jesus said, when I return, will I find faith? What is he saying? Will I find a church who is praying my will and demonstrating and inviting me to move in supernatural ways in the affairs of man? That's what he's asking. Will you give yourself to prayer knowing I'm good and that I will answer until the answer comes? Have you ever been in one of those moments where you prayed for something and didn't get it? Hello. I mean, we just, uh, we just had a dear brother, used to be a staff member here, uh, Reggie Lloyd-Jones, just went home to be with the Lord and going to have services here for him, uh, you know, Friday, uh, you know, at 3.30. And we prayed a lot, lots of people praying for his healing, believing God. I felt the presence of God come into his living room. It was glorious. But I didn't get what I was asking for. But I got to tell you, this Wednesday, we'll be having a healing service right here in daily prayer. Why? Because the cross that saves is the cross that heals. And just because something happens in my circumstance that I cannot explain, it does not give me permission to move away from this truth that persistence in prayer is a demonstration of faith. Listen, just because you didn't get the answer that time doesn't mean you're not going to get the answer next time. Don't give up, church. Don't give up in prayer. Well, I remember a time where there was a young lady in our youth group at the time. Her leg stopped working and the doctors couldn't figure it out. Went to Shan's Hospital. And when I heard about it, I was like, wow, that is bizarre. Strange. Doctors couldn't figure it out. Nobody could figure it out. So me and a a staff member, we went all the way to Gainesville. Went up there on that, that, uh, you know, I think it was like fourth floor or something of the children's ward and walked into that place, walked into that room, legs not working. But then we begin to pray, and the presence of God came into that room. And legs that had not been working for days, suddenly, I said, do you want to get up? And we got up, and in that moment, she was totally restored and totally healed in that room. And I can tell you story after story of the amazing intervening hand of God. The kind of funny thing was is that when it happened, we were all rejoicing. We were all, like, super happy. 
But I looked. I looked. I said, bro, we better get out of here. I said, the doctors are going to come in right now. I said, and if we're in here and they hear we prayed for somebody and they got out of the bed, we're going to be here for the next three days praying over everybody here. (laughs) Now, I understand what it's like to have a devotional life to God and yet part of that part of that life remains a mystery but the part that doesn't have to be mysterious is the part that is clearly written out in scripture first first Thessalonians 5:17 says this pray without ceasing pray without ceasing And most people, when they read this, they get a little conviction in their heart. I was like, oh, that's terrible. Another thing that I'm failing at. I would just say this. By the way, every time we go to sleep uh, uh, on your account, uh, if if we're counting that way, every time you go to sleep, you fail at this. So is this saying that you're to neglect sleep? Or is it to say that when the Spirit of God comes into a believer's life, there is an open door to unbroken intimacy with God so that his will comes to pass in the earth. And I would say this, and I don't want to get too flaky on you out there, but there are times in my life where I feel like the Holy Spirit in me has been praying before I got up. Because I have been greeted with the presence of God. And I go, whoa, why are you here? And I had this revelation. It was God loving on God. And I got drug into that love fest. Uh, anyways, that's another lesson. That's another lesson. Maybe in February we'll talk about God loving God. Why does the Bible say pray without ceasing? Here's why. He'll answer. He'll answer. Now, I, I, I do believe that prayerlessness in the church is this is like one of two things. It's either pride or ignorance. And pride is, you know, we don't pray because we're like, I got this, God. Clearly you don't. Clearly we don't. We need him. But then there's ignorance. And ignorance isn't like an insult. That's how we kind of use the word. Ignorance means that you do not know. And sometimes when we think a person's ignorant, we think they got a demon. (laughs) No. Ignorance is more the absence of something than it is the presence of something. Ignorance is, is the absence of a word to stand on in prayer. You just don't know what to do. And so sometimes we pray because we don't know. And other times we don't pray because we think God is disinterested even though he has declared himself good and would interfere in our affairs if we would welcome him in. I want to give you this today as a challenge and as a charge. 
that as God is growing us as a church in the spirit of John 4, 24, which is why we're fasting from the 4th to the 24th, which says this, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And so we are saying, God, we want to worship you in spirit and in truth. We, there is a right way to worship God, to walk with God. And we say humbly, we're fasting ourselves, fasting and praying so that we can discover that in greater measure in our lives. Let me encourage you, church. Don't give up. You may say, man, I got to day two and I buried myself in Lay's potato chips. Start over. <laughs> and some of y'all are like, wait, those are potatoes. That's uh, Daniel, right? You're looking for ways to comfort your flesh instead of kill it. So I, wanna, I really want to encourage you that maybe you find yourself today saying, uh, God, I need a little grace in this prayer and fasting thing. He'll, he'll give it to you. He'll meet you. I want you to know there's an open door for you to come in this throne room where there's answers, where there's supply, where there's deliverance, where there is a good judge who will answer who when you persist in prayer you will make a difference 